We're going to be in Matthew 2 this morning. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may also go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it arose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I, I trust this morning as we look at this passage again, it, it, it's so easy for us, special times of the year, Christmas and Easter, I think it's become so commonplace to us. I'd like us to, to kind of just visit this scene here in Bethlehem as the Magi arrive and, and try to understand their anticipation and their expectation and their excitement for, for them what had become a, a lifelong pursuit and, and longing and passion that was fulfilled at this moment that we call Christmas and what had been for them the longing and then the pursuit of a lifetime and the coming of this one that they had so looked forward to. And I pray that as we, as we come to the end of looking at their story, that it would just renew within us the excitement of Christmas afresh and what it really means that this, this Messiah who had been longed for and looked forward to for hundreds and hundreds of years actually came and, and entered our world and, in a way that has changed us forever. So we're going to look at the three magi this morning. Melchior, Balthazar, and Caspar. That's not Caspar, the the ghost. This is Caspar. Melchior, Balthazar, and Caspar were tired. They were old men now, over, over 80 years old, and nearing the end of their lives. And nearing the end of their lives, they they felt like they had failed. As their lives were coming to a close, it's like the whole pursuit of their lives and what they had lived for and 
and worked for was to end in failure. It, it had been the pursuit of their great-great-great-grandfathers, their great-great-grandfathers. For 500 years, their forefathers, this had been their pursuit, and now it seemed that it was, as they came to the end of their lives, ending in hopeless futility. These three friends, Melchior, Balthasar, and Caspar, had grown up together in the privileged tradition of the Magi in the far eastern land of Persia. And they had served like their forefathers in the royal courts of Babylon and Persia and the princes and before numerous princes and kings offering when requested wisdom, sage advice, spiritual advice when demanded or or required by by potentates and, and rulers of Babylonian and Persian empires. They were a privileged caste of individuals that were respected and revered for their spiritual and even supernatural wisdom and ability to discern dreams and visions and signs and what was coming in the future. Even more important, they also carried on the tradition of their forefathers by making the chief pursuit of their lives the discovering and discerning of the signs that would point to the coming of the promised deliverer that the world was looking for, the hope of the world. You know, it was well known by sages and wise men throughout the known world that such a promised deliverer would arise being first prophesied in the first book of the Jewish Torah, God speaking to the serpent who had deceived Eve, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And so back to the beginning of time, this hope of a deliverer who would destroy the enemy, the devil, who had deceived and brought sin and death and hostility into the world, that a deliverer would come who would restore relationship with the creator of the universe. You know, this was followed years later in another book in the, in the Jewish Torah, Numbers chapter 24, verse 7, where it predicted this, and this is what drove these magi, and this is the prophecy I see him, but not now. And him, meaning this hoped-for deliverer from Genesis 3.15. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall arise out of Israel. And and so the clue that they'd been looking forward to was, was predicted. And so they began looking and anticipating and searching out the stars, looking for that star that would signal the coming of the king of the Jews who would be their deliverer. And so for years, I mean, really hundreds of years, they waited and they waited and they longed their forefathers for hundreds of years. And then there was another amazing prophecy revealed to one of their own magi In fact, he was the chief of the Magi serving under Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. And this is what Daniel, the chief of the Magi, 
wrote that was revealed to him. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days. It's a title for God, the eternal God. This one like a son of man came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to this son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall never pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Isn't that incredible? The rule of the promised deliverer, the king of the Jews, would be eternal and indestructible. And his kingdom would be an eternal kingdom of God himself. And that's the one the Magi were looking for. These were the prophecies that, that captured the hearts of the Magi and captured the hearts of Melchior and Balthazar and, and Caspar. And it's what they grew up dreaming about, that they would be the ones who would see the star that prophesied the coming of the Deliverer. But now their lives were coming to an end like their forefathers. And the fulfillment of these prophecies seemed every bit as elusive as they had for hundreds and hundreds of years before them. Can you imagine their anticipation and their longing as these men and their forefathers had looked forward to the coming of this deliverer? Because the more they searched out the prophecies, not just these three, but more prophecies, the more they realized who the deliverer would be and what he would be. And that not only in fulfilling the ancient prophecies would he be the deliverer, but, but in fulfilling the prophecies he would also fulfill the desires and the hopes of humanity that went back to the beginning of time. And so even as their lives came to a close, they continued to long. You know, Melchior longed for a just and righteous king. One who would rule with fairness and kindness and not like the tyrannical Babylonian and Persian kings that he and his forefathers had served. I'm guessing that Melchior, like Daniel, was a captive from one of the conquered kingdoms that the Babylonian and Persians had conquered and, and, and forced to serve under those kings as a magi. He longed, he longed for a king who would be righteous and just and fair. He longed for the day when a king, the promised king, would come who, who didn't come to be served by, but to serve his subjects. He longed for a day when the king wasn't about himself and those that were subject to him, but he was about others. When people wouldn't hide or flee when their king rode through their town, but would bow down before him and, and gladly serve him. Melchior longed for a king like the one prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time and forevermore. And Melchior longed for that king, that prince of peace, who would be a true and just and kind king. And Melchior knew that if he had the privilege of meeting that king, he would offer him gold as the one fulfilling the prophecies of the true promised king. See, gold was for kings because back in that time, the glory of a king was determined by the weight of the gold in his treasury. Yes, gold is what Melchior would offer him. Balthasar, on the other hand, longed, as he looked forward to the promised deliverer, longed for a true priest. One who was truly holy, not like the, not like the kings that he knew that were, that were evil and uh, ungodly. He longed for one who was truly holy and whose sacrifices and offerings would truly be accepted by God. Balthasar was so tra- tired of the false priests who did not really know God, who offered up incense and offerings to false gods and and. And everyone knew they couldn't mediate between God and man. They didn't know God themselves. Balthazar longed to know the God that he sought after, that he, he searched out his signs, and yet he felt betrayed by the priests of his day who, who couldn't help him closer to God because they didn't know God himself. themselves. He longed for a priest like the one he saw prophesied in Psalm 110, Four, and there's hundreds of these prophecies. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You and you being the, the looked forward to deliverer, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Melchizedek, meaning king of righteousness, the king of Salem, king of peace, who brought bread and wine to Abraham and who is called the priest of God Most High without parents, without beginning Balthazar knew that if he had the privilege of meeting that hoped-for priest, he would offer him frankincense as the one fulfilling the prophecies of the true priest. Frankincense was a spice used in the temple by the priests as described in Exodus 30. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices with pure frankincense and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. And you shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. And it shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Yes, frankincense is what Balthazar would offer if he had the privilege of meeting that promised priest. Well, Caspar finally longed for the assurance that the sacrifices that they offered would truly bring him closer to God. You know, the false priests and it could be the false ministers 
We're always asking for more and more expensive sacrifices and offerings to appease the gods and make them pleasing in their sight. But, but, Balthus, but Caspar, like so many others, knew that the offerings were meaningless and worthless that they were asked to offer to the gods. And he knew that he was no more accepted on the account of these sacrifices than he was the minute before he offered them. And yet from the prophecies, Caspar had become convinced that the deliverer he longed for, that they, that they searched for, was the one found in the prophecies, again, of the Jewish scriptures and would himself be the sacrifice that would take away the guilt and the shame of the world and make them pleasing in the sight of the Holy God. And he longed for that one, promised, prophesied in Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. And this is what it says. It's incredible. Hundreds of years before that day in Bethlehem. But he, the promised deliverer, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. Listen to this verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the promised deliverer, the sin of us all. Isn't that incredible? And Caspar knew that if he had the privilege of meeting that sacrifice, that promised deliverer, he would offer him myrrh as the one fulfilling the prophecies as the true sacrifice. And myrrh, as described throughout the Bible, was a burial spice. In, in John, Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of myrrh and alloys to anoint Jesus in the tomb. Yes, myrrh is what he would offer him. But the lives of the three friends were drawing to a close and their hope was growing dim. But then I think it might have happened something like this. One evening, Melchior came rushing into the homes of Balthazar and and Caspar and and he's just yelling out, I've seen the star, I've seen the star. I've... He's come. He's here. The long-awaited one. Could it be true? Could it really be possible that, that the one, the promised one, whose star that they had, they had sought out and they had looked for, was it really possible that he had come? It seemed impossible. But after years of waiting, they would certainly go and find out. And so, they, and so they began preparing. And so as the story goes, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, they traveled the long journey to Jerusalem, hundreds of miles, asking, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And then coming to the house in Bethlehem as they were told by Herod, who was told by the chief priests, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And just as they had anticipated, they opened their treasures and they offered him gifts, gold, 
the promised king, frankincensed, the promised priest, the, the one who could bring them into relationship with God and myrrh, the promised sacrifice for the sins of mankind. You know, who could have guessed that the tiny baby born in a feeding trough in a barn in, in wee little Bethlehem would be the fulfillment of all the prophecies, 600 of them, all the prophecies and the longing hearts of humanity looking for a true king, a true priest, and a true sacrifice. And yet so it was. And so Melchior and Balthasar and Casper came to worship him. What about us? As we're here this morning, there, there has to be those of us here this morning who long for the same one that these men longed for. Long for someone who would bring peace. Peace to our world, but peace to your troubled heart. Longing for one who could bring you back into a relationship with God when you've tried everything. You've tried to be good. You've tried to do what you think you should, but you know there's a separation. And, and longing for one who could mediate between you and God and bring you back into intimacy and relationship with him. Longing for that, that sacrifice, that something that could make things right between you and God because you know how separated you are from him how distant you are from him. And, and you couldn't be any more distant from him than these foreign magi were, hundreds of miles, foreigners, strangers from the Jews. And, and yet looking forward to and longing, they, they sought him out, the king of the Jews, who would be their, their king, their priest, and their sacrifice. Well, the good news this morning is he has come. He's come, the Prince of Peace, who alone can bring peace. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, He himself is our peace, because not only did he come to be, bring peace, but he came to bring be himself our sacrifice. Because he who knew no sin, the promised deliverer, became sin for us, our sacrifice, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might, in God's eyes, be right because of what he did. This babe born in Bethlehem three years later accomplished on the cross for us. He has come and he's the reason we celebrate Christmas. He's the one looked for and longed for and his name is Jesus. You know, in the same way that Melchior and Balthasar and Caspar came to recognize him and worship him, I'd just like to ask us again this morning if being reminded in a, in a little different way of this story, if, if it might be what God would use to draw our hearts again to worship of him. Because we get sidetracked, don't we? We get so busy with life and and pursuing after what we know has become meaningless and empty. Can we learn from these three men's story that Jesus is the hope of the world? He's the peace 
that only he can bring. He's the priest. He's the only one. He's the mediator between God and man, and he himself is the sacrifice that paid for our sins. I just I encourage you this morning, if you don't know this Jesus, he is what your heart is longing for. You might not know that. But he's the only one who can truly satisfy the longing of your heart and bring you peace and bring you back into relationship with God. His name is Jesus. Would you make him your king and your priest, your sacrifice for your sins this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray that the longings of our heart for peace, the longings of our heart to be in right relationship with you, Father, the the longings of our heart to to worship, Father, that you you would open our hearts and remind our hearts that these are all fulfilled and satisfied in Jesus. Oh, Father, open our eyes, open our hearts to Jesus that like these three men, we might be worshipers afresh of him and and know him and enjoy him and know peace and life and forgiveness and relationship with you in a way that it can't happen any other way. Father, thank you for Jesus. And, and even now as we celebrate communion together, remembering the death of this baby that was born in Bethlehem, Father, remembering that as the cup was drank and the bread was eaten. Father, as we do these things in remembrance of Jesus, Father, just cause our hearts to well up afresh in gratitude for who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, our Prince of Peace. Amen.